Good morning and welcome. Thanks for joining us. We are in week two of a message series that we started last weekend called Advent Prayers. We're joining with the people of God in history who waited for the coming of Christ, God's Messiah, the Deliverer, the Savior. We're also waiting with the people of God around the globe today who are waiting for the return of Christ and his kingdom in all of its fullness and glory. And in the waiting, we're focusing on the Advent themes of hope, peace, joy, and love. And it's in this process of waiting that we're trying to go deeper in all of these qualities, because what the waiting forces us to do is to reevaluate where our ultimate trust fully lies. We're trying to center ourselves once again on the gospel the good news that God has sent his Savior to be with us and to redeem us from sin and death. This weekend, we're focused on the topic of peace. And we're going to be talking about one dimension of peace that is very important for us to realize today. That is internal, our internal sense of peace. Now, for sure, the peace of God is a huge topic in Scripture. It ranges across many dimensions, and it covers a variety of situations. If we look through Scripture briefly, we can see that Scripture talks about having peace in our relationships. Romans chapter 14, verse 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Uh, the people of God were to seek peace uh, even in cities where they were not home, so to speak. So Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And God needs peacemaking as an activity that he himself holds in high esteem. Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, God's ideal is that his peace would permeate all of these areas of life, that it would be a reality in all of these realms. But what I've discovered over my years of following after Jesus and uh, in all of these years that I've been called to be a peacemaker in different scenarios is that it is very difficult to lead others to know the peace of God if it is not a current reality in your heart. What we're going to do today is focus on that internal dimension of peace, all with an eye toward the coming peace of God that we might bring to others in our relationships, in our city, and in this nation. We long for and hope for the peace of God in all those things. And also, as we wrap up the message today, I also want to focus our time on an update from Plant With Purpose. Access has uh, been in a partnership with Plant With Purpose for over a decade, and we're proud to be supporting a watershed in Haiti that impacts thousands of lives. Through that partnership, uh, many, many people are discovering how to live at peace with the created order and also how to live at peace with God and their neighbors. But first for today, let's turn over to scripture as we learn more about the peace of God. Reading from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. The first insight that leads to greater peace in our lives is to bring our anxieties to God in prayer. Through prayer and petition, we are to make our requests to God. When anxiety comes, the way to deal with it and to, to gain more peace is to humble ourselves and ask for help from God. Now, this may sound very simple. In fact, it kind of is. But the fact of the matter is it's very difficult for many Christians, and it's where many people feel stuck. And the reason is, like I mentioned, is because it actually forces us to take a posture of humility. In prayer, we're coming to God and we're asking for help. In a sense, we're admitting our own weakness, our inability to fix something, to get something done, to find our own solution. We're calling upon God to save us. And that is an uncomfortable truth for many people. So like you, when the pandemic started, I found a lot of projects around the house to do. And one of the projects that I engaged in was cleaning out my backyard. There's been a playground set that's been kind of devolving over the years in my backyard. Uh, the kids have outgrown it. In fact, it's, it was disgusting. It was rotting away. There was rust all over it, and it was unsafe for use. So I finally got out some power tools, and over the course of several weekends, I went to work. And I was able to dismantle this thing and actually save uh, the ground from most of the uh, rusty fallout. But doing this felt really good because it was something that I could kind of do on my own power. And as someone who has struggled with back issues for like the last five years, it felt really good to be able to do something this physical and to see uh, the work of my hands. Because you know what? The truth is, what has been very discomforting and very upsetting for me over the last five years is admitting weakness, admitting that my back problems were too much for me to handle and that I've needed help. I've needed to go to the doctor, physical therapists, and chiropractors to deal with it. Now, one of the things I'm thankful for this year um, is that I am largely over many of those back problems. I'm doing a lot better. But here's the thing. Most of us, me included, really dislike admitting weakness. It means that we're less than, or that's what we perceive it to mean. And in prayer, we are calling upon God for help and admitting weakness. 
In Mark chapter 2, Jesus deals with this dynamic in a slightly different way and frames it for us uh, in a little bit of different language. So one day he's hanging out with uh, tax collectors and sinners. He's having meals with them. And these are people that the rest of the of society have not trusted. And for good reasons. They are people who don't seem to have a moral code. They have stolen from their neighbors. They're the people who have stolen from you and your family and the rest of the city and have given this money to the Romans and have made themselves rich for it. So there's a lot of distrust when it comes to tax collectors and other sinners. And the Ro and the religious leaders are wondering to themselves, why is Jesus hanging out with these folks? Doesn't he know any better? And Jesus says this in Mark chapter 2, verse 17. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And what is Jesus saying here? Is he saying that certain people are righteous and they don't need God? They don't need saving from sin and death? Actually, not. Not at all. What Jesus is really addressing is the problem of self-perception. Think about it. When do people actually go to see the doctor? You might be tempted to think it's when they're sick. But we all know that there are plenty of sick people who dislike going to the doctor and avoid the doctor at all costs. So we go to the doctor when we realize that we actually need help. When we come to that realization and that admission that help is required in our situation, in our scenario, we need someone to solve an issue that we can't solve on our own. So I found this study online this past week. Uh, I know it deals specifically with men, but I find there's a lot of applicability to women as well. It's done by a Cleveland clinic. A uh, study was done in 2019, and here are their findings about how men avoid the doctor. About two-thirds of men tend to wait as long as possible to see their doctor if they have any health symptoms or an injury. This is particularly true for men ages 35 to 54. They tend to tough it out as long as possible before going to the doctor. And that's compared to men 55 and up, which are, are more likely to go to the doctor sooner. In fact, going to the doctor is so unappealing that most men would rather do household chores like cleaning the bathroom or mowing the lawn than go to the doctor. What Paul is teaching here to the early church is this. If you want to experience more peace in your life, you need to learn to bring these prayer requests to God, to learn to ask God for help. And in this asking for help, God will not condemn you for being weak or for needing a solution because his overriding thoughts for you are love. It's not judgment. And in this love, he wants to come beside you and help you become more than you were before. Now, one more thing I want to add here about prayer and how God answers prayer requests. Sometimes God comes externally and brings an external solution to us through friends, through gifts, through unexpected deliverances, uh, through changes of circumstances. 
But I've also found that sometimes God in prayer gives me the internal inspiration, a change of perspective, or some internal willpower to move past internal resistances that reside in my mind or in my heart to help me just to overcome that one obstacle that I need to do. So God's help may come in a variety of ways. But if we want to experience more peace, we need to learn to pray. Our next point, learning to experience more of God's peace in our lives, is this. We need to give thanks to God and savor goodness. We need to learn to give thanks to God and savor goodness. So years ago, uh, I was eating ice cream with my daughters, and both of them were eating ice cream, and I tend to eat ice cream in a certain way. I just kind of get right into it. I chomp it up. I just swallow it, and it's over and done with uh, rather quickly. And my girls noticed this, and they were kind of complaining that I was rushing it, and I was rushing them, and I wasn't choosing to savor the moment because that was the point of ice cream. They were licking it and they were enjoying every single lick because that's the way ice cream should be enjoyed. Savoring is a process of enjoying something. And when Paul writes here that we are to set our mind on what is true and what is good, and we are to give thanks for these things, He's basically telling us to savor the goodness of God, even in difficult times. Paul writes about it also in the letter to the Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, he says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The question then becomes really, well, how do we do this? How do we practice this and make this a reality in our lives? And I want to offer two suggestions here when it comes to giving thanks and really learning to dig into the peace of God. And the first is this, we need to first deal with some of our ingratitude. So, in the Gospels, there's a story when Jesus uh, is walking along and there are 10 people with leprosy. It's a terrible disease of the skin that causes all kinds of social stigmas and shame. And 10 lepers call out to Jesus and cry for help. Jesus responds to them in a moment of grace and light and he tells them, go to the high priest. As they start going, they are healed. They are healed of this incurable disease, and it's an incredible moment. And here's the thing. One of the ten turned around, came back to Jesus, and gave thanks. Only one. I think the story is meant to help us realize that one of the human dilemmas, or one of the situations that we often find ourselves in, is in a state of ingratitude. We forget to give thanks we forget to appreciate good things. We tend to gloss over them, overlook them, or we, like that ice cream, we eat it too fast and we are on to the next thing instead of savoring what is good. So Dr. 
Robert Eamons is a leading psychologist and probably the leading expert in the study of gratitude. He's been studying gratitude for the last two decades. He's written a number of books about it. And not only that, he's a Christian who writes about spiritual formation, is concerned about the formation of the soul. He talks about gratitude and he says that there's this important question for us to think about if we are to go deeper into gratitude. And that is, what must you overcome for gratitude to flourish in your life? In other words, are there moments in your day in which you're filled with more dissatisfaction or more complaints? Why are they there and what causes that? And what's the root of that? Learning to deal with our ingratitude is often helpful helpful for us to move deeper into gratitude. The second tip I want to offer today also comes from Dr. Eamons, who says that gratitude is not about glossing over some of the difficult things that have happened in life. We may be tempted to think that gratitude is just simply glossing over bad memories or actually avoiding them altogether and focusing on other things. But he says it's necessary for us to get into the weeds, to get into those dark places. Life is difficult. Life is hard. 2020 has been specifically very difficult for many people, but life in general is filled with dark things. We live in a sinful and a broken world. We're going to experience bad times. What's important for us to understand is that gratitude is not about glossing over these moments, but learning to go through them once again with the light of God. And he offers these sets of questions to help us to think through that. What lessons did the experience teach me? Can I find ways to be thankful for what happened to me now, even though I was not at the time it happened? What ability did the experience draw out of me that surprised me? And how am I now more the person I want to be because of it? Have my negative feelings about the experiences limited or prevented my ability to feel gratitude in the time since it occurred? And finally, has the experience removed a personal obstacle that previously prevented me from feeling grateful? Our third insight today on getting more of God's peace in our lives, is that in order to do so, we need to put our faith into practice. We had to move it into gear and get going. This is what Paul is urging the Philippians to do. In this passage, he's saying, put into practice what you've seen me do. Do it. See, many of us assume when it comes to having more peace in our lives, What we need to have happen is more things to disappear from our lives, the circumstances to go away, or maybe for things to be removed or the conflict to go away somehow. If that happens, then we will have more peace. And certainly, that is sometimes the scenario we should be praying and longing for. But what Paul is saying here is that sometimes we also just need to put our faith into gear and practice what he has already taught us, what Christ has shown us as the way of life. And by doing this, we can have peace even in those moments when things are going rather poorly. 
The thing that's good about today's passage that we covered is there's already two very prominent things that are in Paul's life that have been exhibited throughout the New Testament that he is emphasizing here. Pray and give thanks. When you do that, you're going to experience more of God's peace. This is, in fact, how he starts many of his letters. He prays for the people he's writing to, and he gives thanks for them. This is his regular way of going about life. This is the way that we need to do it. So if you want to experience more of God's peace in your life, you need to pray, give thanks to God, and just do it. So as we wrap up today and we wrap up this message, I want to give us about a minute of silence to pray, to bring our concerns before God, to give thanks to God for our lives, for the people in our lives, and in this manner to experience more of God's peace. Amen. Now, as I mentioned earlier today, we're going to be ending our time with an update from Plant With Purpose, one of our global partners. And through Plant With Purpose, we've been able to join hands with farmers in Haiti who are needing assistance. And through that, they're learning to live more at peace with the world around them, with their neighbors, and with God. And so here to give us that update is Valerie Folks, the regional rep. Friends, it's great to be with you today, at least virtually. For those who don't know me, I'm Valerie Folks. I'm the local rep for Plant With Purpose. Access is faithfully partnering with our ministry in the Corneillon region of Haiti, right along the border with the Dominican Republic. And as you know, it's been a challenging year for everyone, Houstonians and Haitians alike. Fortunately, COVID-19 has not had the drastic health impacts that we initially feared it would have in Haiti, but there have been economic impacts together with broader political instability across the country and an ongoing drought. But because of you and our other amazing partners' support, our partnering farmers have been equipped over the years in our program to withstand crises and are truly demonstrating their resilience right now. Our partnering farmers typically have over two months of cash reserves on hand because of their participation in savings groups. They are also much more food secure because they've worked hard over the years to restore their soil and improve their crop yields. So they're, e they're able to get by even when the markets are closed. 
And despite all of the challenges of this year, we actually were able to achieve our saturation goal in Corneillon. So that means that we're now working with over 3,000 families, which is a high enough proportion of farmers in the watershed that the positive economic, environmental, and spiritual spillover effects from our program will occur throughout the whole watershed for maximum impact and transformation. When our country director from Haiti, Guy Perezon, uh, visited Access back in February, he shared about how savings groups who are graduating from our program are now independently training and starting up other groups. So this is the virtuous cycle of empowerment that is occurring thanks to your support. And it means that hopefully next year we can start to direct resources to a new watershed in the area. Please continue to pray for our local staff and partnering farmers and know that they also are praying for you. We are extremely grateful to Access for being our first U.S. church partner in Corneillon, and you're also helping to build the capacity of our 26 local church partners in Corneillon, whose leadership is so important uh, in their communities. So to close, I'd like you to hear directly from partnering farmers Gladys and Esteban. They live on the Dominican side of the border, right across from Corneillon. The work that they're doing to restore their land is actually benefiting their Haitian neighbors uh, downstream, which is beautiful. So I hope you're inspired by their story in this next video. Thanks again, everyone, so much for your support, and I hope you have a peaceful Advent season. Our environment is healthy, and we are the reason why it can be like this. Around eight or ten years ago, it stopped raining and everything went dry. A whole year passed by without rain. Our lives depend on it. If we don't have rain, we don't have life. Life for us was difficult. We didn't know where we had our resources. We didn't realize that we had so much around us and that we ourselves had a lot of ability to produce these resources. Life was very difficult. When you needed a thousand pesos for your farm or for some medication or food, you had to go to what I call bloodsuckers. That's what I call the money lenders that take advantage of people. They loaned us money and charged us 20% interest. We had no choice. We took loans from the bloodsuckers at 20% so we could plant bean seeds. We planted them, but everything was lost. Later, we had to harvest to pay for the seeds, but we lost our harvest. We didn't have any food because nothing was produced. I am proud of my wife. She's not the kind of woman who can just sit around. She manages so much. We took out a loan from our group that Plant With Purpose helped us organize. We bought this horse who helped us transport our harvest, coffee, food, avocados, everything we produce. Every day, we are taking steps that lead us towards a better future.
This has changed my life. When I make a loan, a part of that comes back to me. And also, I am building savings. After she joined Plant With Purpose, I saw how far she came. From then to now, I see how we now have a small business we didn't have before. I can use these loans to buy livestock. We can cultivate bananas, both to eat at home and to sell. Through Plant With Purpose, we have learned how to dig along contour lines to stop the soil from running off. As a community, we are promoting more awareness of reforestation, and coffee growing is a part of this. Our coffee is a part of this healing process, and our oranges and avocados and bananas, it's all change, and we've seen about 80% of our community recover. Each of us might have a small farm, but we can come together as a group. Today you might help me, and tomorrow I could help you. When we joined Plan With Purpose, it was like we had harmony and direction. Plant With Purpose helped us understand more about planting trees. It's to create a healthy environment. We have that here. We breathe better air. We learned how to connect with God and everything we do. When the sun goes up, we read scripture. Before we go to sleep, our family prays together. If we don't have a vision, then our resources aren't worth having because the vision is the most important thing we share. When I think about the future now, I see progress. Things will keep getting better because things are growing. I am grateful to those who have made it possible for our community to develop. Because look how the farms are. It's not just my farm. There are many others that have been changed like this. From people in the community, to those in charge of the project, to the donors and supporters of Plant With Purpose. Look at what has happened. Friends, I hope you were inspired by that video. And definitely, if you've enjoyed it, please share it with more people. It's uh, one to definitely celebrate. And let's go with this prayer. Loving God, through all our years, let the church be a community where we learn about love and practice it, where we envision peace and work to build it, where we meet partners in faith who wish to abandon everything that cheapens our discipleship, where we discover gifts and offer them, May your spirit guide us toward joy and generosity. In Jesus' name, in the way of Jesus, amen.